person whom you're trying to reach is currently unavailable. But Please leave a message after the beep. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 165. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And I talked to a Billy. You talked to a Billy? I did. I, I talked to a Billy. Uh, okay. My friend, I've talked about this Billy on the show before. Uh-huh. He's a, a younger brother of my friend from San Diego. He's the dude who got caught by the cops when his oil line broke. Oh, okay. And he he was he he had a habit of running from the cops until mm-hmm. one day his oil line busted and they just followed the that was the end the of it. Line. Yeah, okay. he just pulled over and waited. <clears throat> He's in town. Oh, for a, a job, mm-hmm. a job training, billying it up somewhere. Uh, no, I, but I I forgot he, he still rides a lot and it looks like he does a lot of track time. Mm. Um, but I forgot. What it's like to talk to other people about bikes because mm-hmm. he's like, hey, maybe we can hook up and you know go see Salt Lake, whatever. You can show me around. I'm like, cool, I'll come pick you up in the Euro. You like bikes? It'll be fun. He's like, oh, I don't want that gay ass shit, bro. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, it's the, the like psych cars and yeah, I say I, there's, that may be the first time anyone was ever like. <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, do you want to go for a ride in the sidecar of the Ural? And the only person in the world who's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much the entire rest of the world's like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> and those were his little words, like, nah, I don't want that gay ass shit, bro. I'm just like, uh, you- whoa. Okay. Um, At, well, then. I mean, I know he really likes motorcycles, but he. Sure. And he, but- he did go on to say, you know, I'm really just into those Jap bikes. <laughs> But he's Asian, so he's it's cool. He can throw that card down. It's, oh my god! It's all right. I he, n- n- but, uh, <laughs> but he's but he's he, Asian. It, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's only into the Japanese the Japanese uh, race bikes. Yeah, that's his that's yeah. his brand. Mm-hmm. That's his uh, yeah. that's his, that's his, his tribe brand. He, wow, man. Now it, it is you know when I see the pictures he posts of him and, a, and his friends, they go uh, canyon. Mm-hmm. Carving, yeah, they're all wearing leather race suits. Okay, well, that's something anyway. Well, that's it, it. Says two things to me. Mm. You're like, oh, that's pretty safety conscious and stuff. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are they doing in those canyons on public roads that they feel the need to wear these suits? <laughs> you make an interesting point. <laughs> I mean, there's the safety conscious thing, mm-hmm. but you don't put that shit on. Just to go riding. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like our onesies where you put it on because it's both safe and really really comfy. Mm-hmm. No, no, you put on a leather race suit. You got shit to do. I'm not aware of anyone who puts on a leather race suit and doesn't do the <clears throat> while they get it on. You know, yeah, like there's yeah. just no there, there, there's no putting one on without grunting and sucking it in. Right, right. So if you're doing that to just go up the canyons some weekend, you you're doing some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something. Shit is going to go down. Shit is going down, and it's kind of scary to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. being a, a older person. Well, Chuck, let's be honest. Who's your favorite people to ride with? You, Chuck, love riding with 20-somethings with something to prove. They are <laughs> far and away the best riding companions. Yeah? Yeah. 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 I, that's, I think that's clear. Those are my people. Mm-hmm. 20-somethings with something to prove. That's I'm, them. Mm-hmm. I've got the, the, the beard, the, mm-hmm. the yeah. man bun. Mm-hmm. You know, tattoos. Yeah. Clearly, that... Ready to go. That's me. That's mm-hmm. that's who I am. Although, lately, I've noticed that your, your your leathers aren't matched in color to your bikes quite as well as they used to be. <laughs> uh, 
I I don't match. I mean, I, I'm wearing that goddamn firefighter mm-hmm. stitch now. I wish someone had pointed out when I was picking that combination of colors uh-huh. that it looked like a firefighter suit. Does it? I actually got asked the other day. I was buying stuff for the bike, and so I had on my uh, you know the wax cotton jacket uh-huh. with the high vis vest over it, and like the big you know the big brown work boots. Yeah, and the dude's like, "Are you a smoke jumper?" <laughs> I'm like. That is now the new weirdest thing I've ever had said to me right after, Hooey, you looking like a spice man. Every other gas station I stopped in on the way through Colorado, mm-hmm. people were like, are you a firefighter? Are you are you in town with the, the fire crews? Because no. it's a beige arrow stitch suit uh-huh. with high-vis, high shoulders, Which I think elbows, is a great knees. color combo. That's yeah, it thing. looks sharp, but I realized stepping back, yeah, that looks like something a firefighter would wear. It does a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All I need is an oxygen tank and the helmet, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm right there. <laughs> I could just run into a gas station. I should do this at some point in my life. Just run it, pull in, run in, and be like, dude, everyone needs to get out right now. We got like five minutes. <laughs> go, go, go. It's, gonna, it. it's coming. It's right behind me. And then Chuck, and then Chuck fills like all his pockets <laughs> with like, like nutty buddy. <laughs> I, I just stick my head under the Slurpee machine. <laughs> I go sloshing out. Brush, brush, brush. I've taped up the legs of the suit and filled them slippy for later. Like pockets full of slim gems. <laughs> I'm Charlie's girl. But better hurry before they get back. At that point, I'm already in the sidecar, and the sidecar is me, and it's just full of ice cream. <laughs> Eating, I'm just holding a spoon, eating out of the sidecar, sitting in the ice cream. You were you were literally sitting in ice cream. There's no <laughs> tubs, there's no pints or anything. It's just full of ice cream in you. Well, after we went to all the trouble of parking the sidecar underneath the soft serve machine, what was I? What was I supposed to do in that situation? I can't fit it all in my mouth at once, so I need to take it with. When the cat just a bit like, How, how'd you find us? We, we just followed the ice cream. <laughs> followed the ice cream trail. Melted ice cream. <laughs> melted and dribbled at the bottom. <laughs> Chuck, your kid's going to be sticky. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, foiled again. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Gotta get these Slim Jims before they get me. <laughs> Gotta destroy everything. <laughs> Yeah, we still cackle like schoolgirls. Yeah, it's yeah. how we roll. But hey, this particular episode of Wheel Nerds is brought to you by the folks at Helite, makers of the Helite Airbag Motorcycle Protection Vest. Which we wear while stealing everything from <laughs> and, convenience stores. And apparently posing as smoke jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That that thing over the, the stitch, that just yeah. adds to the... the yep. uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I jump out of perfectly good airplanes into fires all the time. As you can tell, I'm awesome. Can I have an ice cream? <laughs> so, yeah, Helite. HelightMoto.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also brought to you this time by the Good Adventure Company, the outfitters and tour guides mm-hmm. uh, for high adventure motorcycle riding in Colorado, Utah, you and Mexico. It. Yeah. Good-ADV.com. Go and we just got out. done watching their uh, Best of the Colorado Backcountry video. It's awesome. Go watch it. It is it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, we'll put up a link to that. How I'm, are you? You good? I'm, I'm yeah, good, yeah. apart from a, a little minor difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I got on got on the bandit this morning and I went to leave and something's going you know like the like rattling like fiberglass and metal rattling noise and I'm like okay motherfucker 
shit, I just got this thing in good working order. What mm. the fuck now? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out the answer to what the fuck now. And I, I got all the signals wired. So I made a kind of a secondary harness and did it all together and redid the looms and stuff because they were all raggedy and nasty and spiders in them and shit. Okay. Um, but I got all that together. And in addition to discovering that there are inside the lights, like random things to attach to that make no sense and don't do anything. Okay. They're just like there for a spade connector for no apparent reason. Okay. Hadn't got that sorted out. I got it all back together and went riding and went and renewed my license while I was riding on the highway. Well, apparently somewhere on the highway, it seems I had not remembered to put all the fender bolts on as tight as I was supposed to. That's my theory anyway. Okay. And so they rattled loose. Thankfully, the two bolts in the front of the fender were still holding it on. Okay, so you still have a fender. I still have a fender. Okay. Yes, yes. Four four of, of like, seven bolts are Dude, still there. Dude, you should just get rid of that fender. You can fucking cafe that out. It'd be, like, badass, bro. So, a couple problems with that. The lights are on the fender. Oh, but the, you know, lights are for noobs, bro. Mm-hmm. Remember those cool little bladed turn signal lights you had? Yeah. Yeah. Those are available for sale. <laughs> if you break off a turn signal, in fact, you know, that's the new rule on Wheel Nerds. If you drop a bike and break a turn signal, you have to put on the turn signals of shame. Oh. That is now a thing. No. Why do I have that? It's the turn signal of shame. I should put them on the Ural and then put the switch for them in the sidecar. My daughter would love that. Just make lights blink? Yeah. She's eight years old. Imagine Good that she point. had yeah. rocker switches to turn lights Blinding on and off. Lights on and off? She's already shining the spotlight into people's <laughs> houses at night when we drive by. <laughs> Why not add some blinky lights? Right? Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. that's badass. I'll get those, I'll get those along. <laughs> I love this idea. Yeah, I took, I, took the, uh, I took the back signal from the right side of the bike and moved it to the front left because they're all just the same signal mm-hmm. um, pointed in different directions, wired up the sidecar. Now, the problem, of course, is that the signal on the bike side to the left turn blink at like normal speed blink 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 okay blink. something about the sidecar signals they aren't creating enough resistance and so it's like blink 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 blink, 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 blink. so this is a problem is now my bike's got asymmetrical blinking <laughs> and then i realize i'm like wait wait asymmetrical vehicle it's cool yeah <laughs> no worries it'll be okay <laughs> The fact that I have blinkers that can actually be seen by human beings That's is good. pretty good. So your fender, you're missing fender bolts. Yeah, I'll go get some, I'll go to, I've got, I've got, I pulled one out, it's up on the, up on the block now with the wheel off because that's the only way to get the bolts, but uh, I'll go get new bolts from uh, Bolt and Nut Supply tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it though, I mean, the rest of it is just, it's just, it's going great. Apart from, man, does it take a lot of effort to steer. The, the bars are not where I want them. They are, do not have my wrists at a comfortable angle. I noticed that you've, you've been sending me sidecar ads. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. It's like the V-Rod with the sidecar rig. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Out of Park nice. City, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 What you, uh, I just, you know, it seemed like it might be relevant to your To my, my interests. Yeah. 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 I don't know, man. I, I do like I do like the Earl. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a neat... It is super neat. Yeah, it is. It is neat. It's slow. Mm-hmm. I know. It is that. But uh, I, I think the the Ural the Ural is. I remember when I rode yours. I was like, all the things I really liked about the Ural, I still really like. Yeah. All the things I hated about it, still really hate. It's uh, it's got its ups and downs. And you know, most of the thing for me was it. It was great when it was, and when it wasn't, it was really awful. <laughs> yeah. Really, truly. Yeah. Awful. 
so far, the only thing that's really been awful for me on the Ural has been when it the broke final down. drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's brand new, so that should be fine, right? Yeah, I, I should be, be great now. Me. What, what could, could go wrong? Another solid six thousand miles. Six, easy. seven thousand miles. Yeah, dream big. No I mean, yeah, yeah. What is the life of a final drive on the Ural? Do you know? I have no idea. Mine six thousand seems low. Mine was a okay with uh, let me think twelve thousand kilometers on the clock. Okay, um, which is Math, fuck, seven, eight thousand miles, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Now the final drive housing was not okay, <laughs> okay, because of the brake incident. Okay, yeah, the brake incident broke the housing, but the actual final drive gears inside looked like brand spanking new. I would have preferred that happened to me instead of what actually happened. Yes, to me. yes, that has, that that has kept ways going. Out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, then I wouldn't be a, a footnote. Yep. But yeah, no, I mean, I've been okay with the URL. Yeah. It's uh, and I I've learned something about the Triumph this week. What's that? So when I whenever I had been starting it before, mm-hmm. I would jam the start button twice because the first time it went nothing would happen, mm-hmm. and then uh, I I I didn't know why I would just I would hold it I would jam it nothing would happen and then I'd let go and then I press it again it mm-hmm. start button right up. So this week I just start holding it down. Mm-hmm. And after about a second, it starts up. Hmm. So just you hold it down for a second. All the lights are on everything. Nothing happens. Hold it for a second. And then, huh, just powers up. Weird. Yeah. I don't know if it's like an electrical thing. Or it, I have no idea. That thing has its, its own personality for sure. In a big way. Yeah. Yes. But it's still super fun to ride. It is. Neat gang on, turning on an on-ramp. And just waving goodbye to everybody. Ciao. <laughs> like, oh, you guys are in line to get onto this carpool on ramp. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, bye. Same. See you. <laughs> and just move over a little bit to the side and uh, boom. <laughs> Thank you. And good night. <laughs> good day, sir. Excuse me, my sedate sport tour and I are leaving. <laughs> we have places to go. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, cool. I, I'm going to need to do – I've been looking at those side cases. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you my problem with the side cases? Mm-mm. So the guy who sold it to me gave me the side cases and the racks. Sure. However, I don't think since he changed the exhaust on the bike, Uh-oh. he had put the side cases on. Oh, is your exhaust too high for the side cases? It's a little too fat because the racks fit right over it. Ah. So it's kind of squeezing the muffler a little bit. I've got those. Uh-huh. I've got them in. I've got uh-huh. the side the the racks for them on. Yeah, yeah. But now the where the side case. Oh, um, the actual clamping. The actual clamping thingy. thing. Huh. There's like nothing there for it to clamp to on either side. It's just. Mm-hmm. It looks like it used to be sort of this rubber block thing mm-hmm. that the clamp teeth would jump bite into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's just like. Bleh. Yeah. What I've seen people do, and I. Don't know if this is something Triumph did at some point themselves mm-hmm. as OEM or if people just figured out oh, this is what that you do. Is uh, They drilled out the rivets that were holding this sort of clampy block on the cases mm-hmm. and they uh, um, put a, a bar, mm-hmm. a little piece of bar metal, rivet that in and then – or actually probably before this, they bend the bar metal into a hook. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. And then, you know, rivet that into the case and then the So clampy. the way the bottom of my caribou's work. The bottom of my caribou's is actually two hooks. It's not a it's not a there isn't a clamp. It's just two hooks that just go onto the holders. Okay. 
Yeah. So yeah, this thing would, would kind of ho- hooks over the top of the of the side mm-hmm. racks, yeah. and the bottom has like the clampy thing that locks. Okay. All right. So yeah, like so like mine upside down. Yeah. It's, it's hook bottom clamp top. So yeah. I would just need to like get something to, to clamp that, mm-hmm. or I could say fuck it, leave the side racks there for support mm-hmm. and throw soft bags on it. Yeah, you know, also a possibility. Yeah. I mean, right now I've got that sort. of tall tailbag thing mm-hmm. and that's been okay but if i want to do any kind of touring on it which I, I think i'd like to try to do yeah yeah i need uh i need uh, some sort of side solution yeah yeah certainly in terms of all your bikes right now that's the one that you would tour on if you were in the mood no i'd take the euro like, so? yeah yeah i suppose yeah the euro t- euro's good too. euro's got a brand new final drive what's gonna go yeah, wrong what's gonna happen and it can carry tons of shit that's true what are <laughs> you taking <laughs> oh whatever even with all of its plastic luggage completely, completely destroyed <laughs> Falling off everywhere. <laughs> I, I, the sidecar still holds everything. I stand by. I never liked that plastic side bag. I think what I'd like your to life do, is richer without it. What I would like to do, because um, it was kind of nice having that mm-hmm. that side bag there, is um, do a little bit of reinforcing on framework that mm-hmm. was there. Yeah, and then just throw a soft bag over that. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> And, you know, I feel reasonably confident that's not going to shatter and fall mm-hmm. off. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get, like, a single side bag. No, you could put the other side bag somewhere else, too. Yeah, I mean, I could put just drape it off the Hang side over of the, the sidecar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, th- I think that, that would be kind of cool. Everything mm-hmm. else, I don't I don't need the – necessarily need the tail rack. That mm-hmm. was kind of cool for helmet storage, but eh. Mm-hmm. The only reason I kind of wanted to keep the sidecar free, mm-hmm. other than the trunk space – so you put somebody in it. Right. Yeah. You know, makes sense. random girls at stoplights, daughter, children. Oh, I mean, I mean, not on a road trip. You know, random, if I'm on a road trip somewhere, it's going to be random girls. Because I'm young and hip and bearded and tattooed. Hmm. <clears throat> and that's that's what dudes like me expect at, at mm-hmm. stoplights. Because mm-hmm. young and hip mm-hmm. and with it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I work out a lot. Mm-hmm. Girls like that, yeah. I'm told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, no reason. <laughs> I wish you... What? <laughs> what? I wish you good fortune. Uh-huh. All right, now let's look look at classifieds. Okay, we're going to start with my old favorite car, the Nova. This is a Nova miniature street-legal motorcycle-powered. So it's not technically a motorcycle, it's but just, a listener sent it to us, and it is too insanely weird not to talk about so it's a, a mini 1970 Nova, 185 horsepower ZX12R Kawasaki engine. Last time scaled car's weight was 1,200. Tube chassis, Toyota rear, Mustang front. Have clean and clear title and drive it on the street. Enough room in rear fender wells to put a 26 by 14 tire in. <laughs> Notably, right now, the front wheels are big-ass Mustang wheels, and the rear wheels kind of look like a donut. This this looks like a Can Am with a car body on it. Yeah, it kind of does. With actually. a mini car body on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tiny, tiny little car with freaking giant front wheels. Yeah, yeah. What do you have on your front wheels? <laughs> <laughs> the Nova, Lord. Nova, Nova, no go. <laughs> this one looks like it'll go. <laughs> oh yeah, it looks like it'll go. I'm sure it goes. Oh, I see. There's just there's just in one uh, picture a random giant wheel in front of it. 
Yeah. So the actual the w- actual wheels are all the sized. actual wheels are all appropriately sized. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. It actually looks better with the big wheel in front. <laughs> it's gonna be pretty silly with the big wheel in front. But yeah, it's a uh, it's just a uh, it's 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 a it's a Nova mini, with a with a better engine, I guess. A mini car body with a motorcycle engine. Yeah. If I was this dude, I would make this a reality. I would yes, I would extend those truck wheel in front, the front axle. Yeah, mm-hmm. put those giant wheels, hang those big old wheels in front. Because that looks badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the other one just looks like a small, strange car. Like, oh, so sad. Oh, my gosh. Oh, hey, gosh. Wait for me. Yeah, Cause. no, you put these wheels on. Guys, like, we're running fast. Fuck you. Well, the funny thing, too, is that the, the, the you know, 185 horsepower, like on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. that weighs 500 pounds, that's like, yeah. This is 1,200 pounds. 1,200 pounds? That's like, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's lighter than a regular car. Yeah. But yeah. it's not like, you know. $10,000? No. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. No. Unless, you, unless you're like a super, like, like Nova enthusiast. Yeah. Like, if you're a super enthusiast of the Chevy Nova, like, lost your virginity in one or something. I don't know how that's possible, FYI. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a Nova, and I don't, Some, I don't see any way that's possible. But someone somewhere. Someone, someone somewhere tried. <laughs> You know, may- maybe, maybe then you're like, yeah, okay, all right, let's do it. But it's not even a real Nova. It's just no, no, it's true. It it's just true. looks it's like a Nova body, soda, yeah. and you know, um, yeah. mm-hmm. no, just no, no buy, no, <laughs> Nova, no buy, no buy, no buy. What? Really? Yep. Okay, we have a 1999 Harley Davidson Sportster 883 for four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. A beautiful Harley Davidson Sportster 883. This is the 1999. Which is one of the best years of the 883 and most coveted. Mm, coveted. Coveted. This bike is a lot of fun and handles perfectly. Everything is in excellent shape. It starts right up every time and has no issues. I have some extra parts I will throw in with it. The seat is custom made, which makes it very rare. Ooh. I hate to sell this bike, but I am moving out of state and can't take it with me. So he's, he's really pushing. He's pushing hard how he, great this bike is. He's here's, my, here's my favorite part. Take a look at the quality of the paint on this bike. The paint is deliberately distressed to make it look old. Uh, why would you... This is a hipster's like bike. It's a total hipster's bike. This is a hipster bike. He has chopped off the fender, and, and not like not like chopped it off and shaped it, mind no, you. No, it's just like, chopped like off. Fucking chopped it. Literally chopped. Chopped, like, like right off. Yep. He has scraped... He's ruined the paint so that it looks distressed and old. And put a custom seat on it. Yeah. Now, my other favorite part about this is if you take a look, what do you notice about his pipes? They're all blued to hell. They are bright blue. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this guy, he's running a little lean. Yeah, he is not. He's uh, got a. He's got. He's got some non-restrictive pipes <coughs> on this thing. Says mm-hmm. it's cool, mm-hmm. and he did nothing to the rest of the system. Yeah, absolutely nothing. It, oh wow. Okay, so so it looks like sometimes he runs without mufflers at all. Yeah, well, that there's your problem, eh? Because <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, super clean, very good. I have taken yeah. So so I, I I look at bikes like this and I think okay, so here here's step one: make Harley basically unrideable. <laughs> Because that seat yeah. doesn't look comfy. No, I mean, well, it's a, you know, this is a basic good 883. There's nothing wrong with the 883. It's a wonderful platform to do whatever you want with, except please don't do this. Basic bitch. Yeah, but I mean, let's take it. But first, we're going to make it a lot less rideable. We're going to put some really narrow bars on it, and then, mm, like, yeah. you know, a, a weird seat. And, and we're just going to chop the rear fender. And not, like, you know, shorten it. Just, yeah. like, fucking cut just it in the middle. I saw the weirdest handlebar the other day. Oh, yeah? 
they were ape hangers, uh-huh. but narrow. Yeah, yeah. So the guy's like, he's yep. like holding a tricycle mm-hmm. yep. way, way up here. Yep. What the fuck? Dude, well, obviously you're not cool enough for them. Clearly, Chuck, your your attempts to hang out with the cool twenty somethings uh, are not working out, or, or fail. You and well, your you and your regular bars. Well, my my girlfriend is no longer work. in her twenties, so see, yeah, I'm kind of aged out of that bracket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Damn it! But no, but you could come on, go buy it. It'll be great. It's look, look, it's coveted. It's, it's coveted. It's most coveted. I didn't realize... Uh, and and the seat is not the stock seat, which makes it very yeah, rare. Right. I didn't realize, you know, we were looking at vintages now for 883s. Apparently, apparently... Wait a minute. The, I just realized something, Chuck. Yeah? The Strom seat is custom. It is very custom. That makes it very rare. Is, there's only one butt that fits into that seat. Well, that, there's that problem. <laughs> <laughs> If your butt is my butt, it's excellent. If your butt is not my butt, it's Charlie says it's not very good. <laughs> he, he found it a little, a little firm, <laughs> and not shaped as well as he'd like. It was, it was shaped kind of oddly. It was mm. a little pokey. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the testicle support was a little off. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the. Yeah, it's, it's made for like, a particular butt. Yeah, like and a particular was, leg bend. Yeah. Like it was made for testicles that were so much smaller than mine. I, I don't understand. Could be I just wear tight pants. I've seen you wear pants. You don't wear tight pants. No. Nothing, <laughs> nothing I own is tight anymore. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got a Honda Helix Pulse Car Light Star Scooter, which coincidentally looks like something out of one of those old Japanese shows. It totally does, right? This <laughs> looks so cool. This is a custom-built single-seat Pulse Car or Light Star look-alike. I built it from a 2007 Honda Helix liquid-cooled scooter. So this is like this is like basically a Craig Vetter kind of affair uh-huh. almost. It's still classified as a motorcycle, only one of the side pylons can contact the ground depending on which way you lean when stopping or starting. Once moving, it balances on the two main scooter wheels. It's fully street legal and licensed. It has the original scooter equipment except a headlight. I ran duels instead of the original single. The steering works much like a ZTR and make for a comfortable ride with you arms at your side. <laughs> what? What? The grips fold up and down when getting in or out. What? Has a full recumbent seat and normal gas and brake pedals. So are you supposed to ride it with your hands at your sides? I'm assuming so. And you just sort of lean? You sort of lean with it, and it creates a counter-steer effect, I guess. I, I suppose that would work. The canopy opening can be removed for warmer weather or put back on to ride in cold weather. I need to get it out of the shop and make room for a new project so it's up for sale. Serious inquiries only. There is much more to write, so I have some build documentation. I call it the Aluma Cycle. It's built from aircraft parts and skinned in 606 T6 aircraft aluminum. Here's the link. Blah, 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 blah. I'm 5'8", and it fits me perfect. You can be just a little taller and still fine. If you're 6'3", figure on driving without the canopy unless you want to make a taller one, which wouldn't be hard. Here's a video. So, I mean, this thing looks like it needs to go into a giant robot. Why does it have tail fins? Okay, uh, oh, those so are, here's those the, are the pylons. Here's the steering. No, no, not the, the... Aren't these the pylons on the side? Yeah, yeah. So what are these in the back? Oh, the tail fins. They, yeah, they the look tail cool. fins. They look cool. Okay, so here's a Chuck, you made a spaceship car. car. Here's okay. a, here's Do you a, not put tail fins on it? Here's the shot inside. So the, the handlebars are up. The handlebars are just handlebars. They're, yeah. just, they're just long and they reach inside. So that's not, all. Oh, and there, there they are folding up so you can oh, get out. okay. So I they see. fold all in right. over your legs. Okay, oh, I see. The ends yeah. of the handlebars are attached. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. And then they fold That's up. That's deeply weird. Because that, that seems super cool that you can fold them down over your... Yep. This <laughs> looks like a fighter pilot cockpit this of some sort. This would be a hoot, I suspect. This is a, this is someone's love. Yes. Somebody somebody had dreams and they made it happen. Look, he's got a little heads-up display of course and everything. He does. Of course he this does. is awesome. <laughs> it needs to merge with a giant robot. It totally does, though, doesn't it? <laughs> Like, only, only the problem is if you're riding this one, this is the one that never really like turns into the sword or the gun. <laughs> you're like, why am I in the gun? <laughs> you're in the fist. Oh god! No! no. Oh, clang! Oh god! We're clang. gonna punch him again! Stop. No! <laughs> why do we keep punching him? Punch him with the other hand! <laughs> Fire a missile! Use a gun! Form blazing sword! I don't care! Just stop punching! <laughs> Let's try punching him again, except harder. <laughs> uh, at least he's got. Hope, hope you got a five-point harness. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. If I had the opportunity, I would ride the shit out of this. I just, would just love to, to ride this. You know, how much fun would it be to take this thing to work? <laughs> just, out of, just and for for no reason other than sheer obnoxiousness. Are you the guy who rides the rocket ship? Yes. Yes, I am. If it does not already have like some sort of PA system where it broadcasts a, a sound effect, sound effect like <laughs> the Jetson sound effect. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Beep beep. <laughs> beep beep beep. <laughs> Except then you should be singing a Jetson song the whole time to work, the entire way to work, every day, over dun, and dun, over dun, the dun. Jetson scene. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I would totally do that. Yep. Yeah. To go look at the link. You owe it to yourselves. Yep. And then go buy it. Tell us how it is. <laughs> <laughs> go buy it and then let us try it yeah, out. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know what that has? It has a roof. It does. Oh, God. My daughter cannot see that thing. She would... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's her that's her sweet sixteen car present. Yep. I've got you the rocket car. Is it safe? It's a rocket car. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and it's just I got this wily this vision of wily coyote stuffing dynamite into the tail mm -hmm. section, just lighting it up. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make sure that the you get, you'd have to make the noise every time you sit in too when the when the handles come down. It needs to talk to you. <laughs> the GPS be like, "Hello, interlocks ready, dynatherms yeah. are go." <laughs> have you watched the new Voltron? Nope. Why not? I you suggested proud it. Of. I suggested it to your wife. Yes. Had had that go about like you'd expect. <laughs> When you're on your own time, maybe you could watch it. Oh. I will not watch it. I've, I've watched it all the way through once. Oh. And now I'm watching it again with Sophie. Because she kind of digs it. She digs it now. Yeah. It's it's pretty different than yeah. the original. That was, that was what I understood. But uh, and know, Apart from it has a robot made from lions. But, yeah, robots made from lions. Mm -hmm. A lot of jokes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Okay. I'm looking forward to it, the second season. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Especially because they, uh, the funniest part in the first couple of episodes is the punching. No, not the punching. They have no idea how to form Voltron. Oh, it's not like this task force. Like we're the Voltron force, and we're no. It's like these five random dudes. They got 
called together by fate. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what they're doing. Oh, good. So they accidentally form Voltron and like fight the bad guy in the first episode. Second episode, they have no idea how to redo it. How do we do that? I don't know. So they like stack the lines on top of each other. <laughs> Yellow lines on top, and they're like, why are you on top? Well, I thought I could be the head this time. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're always the leg. Are you sure I was the leg? I think I was the head. You shouted, hey, I'm a leg. <laughs> I shouted a lot of things. All right, then. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. All right. Yeah, so Voltron on Netflix. Go check that out. Voltron it is. We have a guest. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's not no the, one really wants to hear us. It's not James. No. No. All right, so we're on with J.J. Lewis from Good Adventure. Uh, full disclosure, Good Adventure is one of the sponsors of Wheel Nerds. But we have J.J. on because he also has all sorts of cool stuff to talk about. J.J., how's it going, man? It's going great. Well, we're back at the base camp. We just had a great trip doing the best of the backcountry in southeast Utah and southwest Colorado. So we had 11 riders. We had three Italians, and we had folks flying in, rental bikes. Uh, we had a chef, a, a chase truck. It was just a lot of planning went into it, and... So I'm just catching my breath right now, but it was an epic trip. Where is Base Camp? I mean, what is, what is Base Camp? It's the uh, Good Adventure Company headquarters in, uh, okay. in Cortez, okay. Colorado. I was, like, picturing tents and stuff. I'm like, oh, wow, you're, like... Wow, you are huh? intense. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a guest house, and we've got an RV and places where, where folks can camp. And um, actually, a lot of people who do the Utah and the Colorado BDRs do contact us, and, and they can park their vehicles here and... Usually there's two or three trucks at my place at any time. Oh, wow. So in the summer, at least. So someone comes and they, they want to rent like a really nice GS from you. Walk us through that. Well, uh, I start off by, uh, you know, getting their credit card information. <laughs> Very important step. <laughs> Vitally important step. And uh, I take a pretty significant deposit. So honestly, it's only a maybe $1,200 deposit on the credit card. For know, BMW, for, that's not significant. That's like one handguard, isn't it? <laughs> right, right. Or a foot peg or, or a plastic piece on the tank or, or a beak or something like that. So yeah, so they'll give us a good deposit and then they have to sign an insurance waiver and they have to pay for an additional insurance rider. So it's pretty well insured, you know, as far as the business is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks that are, are going to rent those bikes generally are going to be on our trips. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to keep an eye on them most of the time, too. So we have had great experiences and, you know, folks flew in. One guy flew in from Italy and rented the uh, one of our 800s and had a great time. I have partnered with a couple other rental companies in a Durango. And so hmm. whenever we need to borrow a bike or two, we kind of swap back and forth between uh, three companies, including myself. Okay. So we sort of, we sort of share the rentals mm-hmm. if need be. So um, that works out pretty well. We rent out uh, F800s, F650s, KTM 690s, uh, Husky 701s, and uh, there's a couple of Eastroms that we can use as well. And you know, depending on what, what trip we do, uh, we can generally get uh, the right bike for it. So do you get a lot of people renting who, I mean, because the country you're in is just phenomenal riding. Do you get a fair number of people who just fly in and just rent the bike for the hell of it? Uh, we generally rent the bikes for the trips. The other companies are generally, since it's in Durango and it's closer to the airport and I'm a little oh, bit farther, yeah, right. my, my bikes are generally for the trips. But I have had a couple people come in and, and you know, rent the bikes for a couple days and, and they've had a good experience. So, um, but generally they're mostly for the trips. So what made you want to get good adventure off the ground? What, what, what did you see that you wanted to do? Well, in 2011, I know you had Ron Grace on, uh, 
the, mm-hmm. the podcast a while back. And mm-hmm. so he and I got together. I, I was I'm a I'm a mental health therapist and I work on the Navajo reservation. And so I was oh, wow. living in the middle of the Navajo reservation in Kayenta. And so we got uh, contacted through uh, Adventure Rider. And so he asked me if I knew of anybody that needed any help on the reservation. And of course, being a mental health provider, I can think of a lot of different things that needed help. <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> right, right. So Get we a just pencil. we just began working together and doing all these great projects um, hmm. for Navajo kids and families. And I wanted to I wanted to create an organization, you know, a business that took folks to these amazing places where we love to ride, and a, and a, a business that used the uh, profits responsibly. Mm. And 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 to help other people, so that's kind of what we do um, when we did, our, for example, our our trip last year to Copper Canyon. We raised money for uh, the school down in Batapilas. So we did we did a lot of goodwill, you know, just for adventure riders going down in the canyon anyway, knowing that you know we're good folks, and we had, we had delivered candy to the kids, and we had soccer balls and footballs, and then our air compressors on our bikes when we stopped, you know, for for a break or something like that. If we saw a group of kids, we threw out candy, talked to them. You know, played soccer, blew up the balls, and and left. So we we tried to do a lot of goodwill, but but in, to answer your question, I wanted to create like, you know, some sort of positive energy. You know, it's hard to make a lot of money in the in the adventure riding business or the motorcycle business in general. Really, we try to sell the best gear and and sell it affordably, but at the same time, use the profits that we make to help other people. That's an interesting combination of jobs. So, is it good adventure your main job at this point, and the work on the res is the or the in the nation is the secondary or is it the other way around what do you think of yourself when you when you have to write your occupation somewhere <laughs> well you know i'd love i'd love for the good adventure company to be the main gig but the reality of it is and and and, and how we want to use our, our profits <laughs> my main gig is being a psychotherapist on the reservation and that's i love i love that type of work but that also gives me you know a general idea of of what people need and and gets me close to the organizations that are that are in need that you know i can you know see if lost for reason can help and also you know stay involved uh with lost for reason to see what kind of projects we can we can we can link together and, and help kids and families is there any kind of official partnership between Good Adventure and Lost for a Reason, or are they? It's just you guys talk to each other. You, you're already a part of it. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Uh, you know, it's just basically uh, whenever, whenever, uh, whenever we could get a significant profit going, we can kind of identify those areas of need. So it's it would be separate, but definitely collaborative. There's a lot of there's a lot of other bigger organizations in the adventure world that uh, really help Lost for a Reason. So I'm just kind of one of the one of the many that, that, that help out. What are the kind of like biggest areas of need that you find in the uh, Navajo nations? Well, to be honest, you know, you, you can come out with a, a perspective from the larger culture saying, well, you know, there's poverty, you know, there's a, a lack of education, there's, there's, you know, just a lack of, you know, resources available. If, if you come from that, from a, that perspective, um, but in all reality, the Navajo Nation is pretty, pretty rich, vibrant, stable culture, um, and and there there is a fair amount of, of, of challenge there. But what's unique about it, and I, I know you guys have, I think, have traveled through there. It's just marvelous country. I remember living in Kayenta and and going out on a dirt bike, you know, five five miles, six miles straight out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden you're on top of a mesa, and there's you know somebody living in a traditional Navajo hogan with their sheep pen and their you know windmill and no electricity just 
totally living off the grid as they have for centuries. A beautiful example uh, of what you need and what you don't need, you know. And and, and you know the Navajo language is is alive. Kids are speaking it. So the the biggest area of need, though, I, I think, is just you know opportunities for people living on the reservation mm-hmm. and economic opportunities. Um, also, you know, substance abuse is a huge huge problem as well. It's kind of like you can tackle that from various from various levels. Um, but with loss for a reason, we've really focused on domestic violence and specifically how it help, uh, how it affects kids and and families. So uh, we've partnered with like a, the Totonashi Shelter Home in Kienta, Arizona, and uh, basically got that their new facility off the ground. And they had a huge huge problem a year and a half ago where they didn't have enough money to pay the propane bill. So their new million dollar facility was flooded. And so we came in there and had volunteers all throughout the country volunteer their time uh, and resources and came up and fixed it for them over, you know, seven or eight weeks and got it rolling. You know, there's there's tons of different projects. And right now, Lost for a Reason is focusing down in Gallup at the Manuelito Children's Home, uh, which really serves a lot of kids, you know, who, who've, who've been through trauma, mm-hmm. a, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's daunting when you think about it. It's a, it's a big area the size of West Virginia that has some of the best writing around, in my opinion. Way back in May, I don't know if you guys saw our website, but we did a Navajo Nation trip where we had guys fly in, and they rented bikes, and I, t- I, I took them around the Navajo Nation uh, into the, the most epic places you've, you've ever been to that most Navajo people have, have never been to. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, it's funny because I work with – I work. Uh, with all Navajo staff and my main job, and um, I said, you know, if you ever need anybody to to uh, help show you around the Navajo, Navajo Nation, I'm at your service. You know, because I'd always ask them, have you have you ever been here? Have you been there? And they're like, no. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. I've been I've been to a lot of different places. Uh, you know, in part because I just just being stationed out there and living out there, it's just like your back door wherever you want to go. It's all dirt places places to explore. Is there anything someone needs to keep in mind when they're they're writing? into the nation like uh, is, is like a significantly different law or rule or the booze thing the booze I... well um, I, I wouldn't uh, <laughs> advertise your alcohol but you can't get it on the on the res so you know generally if you're going to be camping out there it's nice to have a beer or two I just sort of kind of keep it hidden mm-hmm. and uh, and just just you, you won't have any trouble I didn't know you like, couldn't get alcohol there no, no 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 absolutely not Absolutely not. Very frowned upon to have it in general, Ooh. right? If you're gonna if you're gonna go, you know, bring your own and bring it discreetly, uh, and you'll be fine. Uh, but as far as laws and speeding and those kinds of things, um, it's it's generally not restrictive at all. Kind of kind of the opposite. In, in, in contrast to a lot of other reservations, where if you step on the on the reservation boundary, you know they'll take your bike or they'll take you know arrest you or something like that. The Navajo Nation uh, thrives on tourism, and so if you're going to be camping there, you all you got to do is get a you know a five dollar a day backcountry permit, and you can camp. And and if you're riding an established rat road, you don't really need to have a permit or anything. So, mm-hmm. but established road is, is something that's kind of <laughs> tongue in cheek because foggy you, the closer to the center <laughs> you get because you really aren't sure so uh, <laughs> which road is what and and some of the some of the GPS roads on the GPS don't show up but uh, <laughs> so it is it is quite an adventure if you're going to ride out there and and sheep lots of sheep oh sheep <laughs> I thought cheap no no, no <laughs> cheap no I, no it, it's cheap it, 
sheep are always in places you don't expect them, and and on the Navajo Nation, that can mean in the middle of the road, I not moving at all. I don't know where I was. I just know I was on some sort of Indian land when I pulled over for gas at one point. And this mm-hmm. was on the way to Overland Expo. Yeah, yeah. And, like, all the posters in the window were for, like, TV shows and movies I had never heard of. Mm-hmm. It was, like, very much like being in a different country. Well, mm-hmm. Technically, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless, you know, the U.S. decides it's not because pipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how about you as a rider, JJ? So so what, what's your primary ride these days? Um, I've got a 2016 GS Adventure. Holy Ooh. smokes. <laughs> well, <laughs> aren't you fancy? <laughs> <laughs> and I, we've got, I've got also an 800 um, GSA and then um, a, a 650 Dakar. I'm sensing a know? trend here. Well, I do have a Honda ST1100, so I, I okay. do have... Have one of those. That's what do you hang towels on it? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes I ride it. It's 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 you know it's in pretty good shape and it's fun to take out to commute if you if you're bored if you like that kind of the barca lounger kind of you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then my wife has got she's got a little two twenty five and then the kids have some dirt bikes. So the the garage is full of bikes. How long have you been riding? I've been riding since I was. Probably, I was a little kid, you know, cruising around on a Honda 50, mm-hmm. you okay. know, at six or seven. And, you know, high school and college, I didn't ride very much, but I did I did some motocross growing up um, out in California at Saddleback Park and, you know, grew up just going crazy on a two-stroke dirt bike. And, um, and then after college, got back into it. And I think around 2006, 2007, I really got into um, adventure riding. And uh, it's just sort of exploded from there. And, you know, I, I used to commute, you know, full time on a, on a motorcycle. You know, we lived in Virginia before we moved out to the reservation in, in Arizona and then out of Colorado. So uh, I was always riding out to Colorado and I had to figure out how the heck am I going to get to to live in the places where there's the best riding. And so I've mm. uh, been lucky, been lucky to to kind of have this spot. And, you know, once we got here, the Good Adventure Company just sort of exploded. And, and here we get here we are. How many people make up the Good Adventure Company? Well, there's myself, and I have a couple guides. I have a, a, another guide who's in Colorado, and then um, in Washington, Seattle area, and then in California. So whenever we do a ride, we, we've got three or four really seasoned guys that know what they're doing, and that can fit. You know, if something breaks, or they can troubleshoot, and and guys that that uh, really can teach. You know, riders that that are kind of a little bit hesitant. You know, to take on some of the stuff that we do kind of give them some pointers along the way hey hey chuck yes have you considered hiring one of these guys for what i don't know he says he can fix stuff and help you be you think less, he can fix it your crashing in final drive and, well, I don't, on the I don't, side of the road maybe, maybe he's got skills maybe like squirt some jb weld into that and could be just yeah. set it up is that is that what you're saying <laughs> it could happen uh-huh. yeah I saw on Facebook some strange guy walking up and down the road complaining about a year old. That was you, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that was that, me. That would be yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. That looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure you I saw a lot of that beautiful backcountry thingy <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah, can I bring a Ural on one of your tours? You can. You can bring a Ural. Yep. And what happens be- when the final drive explodes? <laughs> Well, we usually bring my wife's uh, two twenty five in the in the chase truck, so we'll let you. We'll let, we'll let you. you could tow the euro at that point with the truck. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll let you ride the 225. It's the bike of shame. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got to tell you, JJ, I have really – and Todd will back me up on this. I have really bad luck when it comes to trips. Well, he's, he, you're, that, that's why JJ gets your credit card first. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have unfortunate things happening on every trip I've tried to do. So, so you mentioned Copper Canyon before. Now you get you guys have Copper Canyon coming again, right? Yeah, we have we have two trips this this next year in Copper Canyon, November five through twelve, and then February eighteen through twenty five. Hmm. You know, if you've ever traveled that that part of Mexico, it, it really gets your anxiety up because you do run into the cartel and you run into a place where you, unlike the U.S., you feel like you're in control a, a lot of the time. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't think about your safety uh, that much. Uh, but when you travel alone down there, you that's the first thing that's on your mind. When you go to sleep, when you wake up, where you're going to go, what time you're going to leave, you know, are you going to get to the place where you need to go at in a, you know, in a specific amount of time? Who are you going to run into? So we've been really lucky to have contacts in that part of Mexico. So when we go down there, they know we're going to do something nice for the community that we're going to go see and visit. Um, so that that's good. And our, then our contacts let let everybody know that we're coming, which is a good thing because it lets the good guys know that we're coming. And it also mm-hmm. lets the bad guys know that we're coming. And they know that we're coming for a good reason and to, to support the, the communities and, and visit these these great towns. So when I've gone alone, alone in the past – You're not there to muscle in on the trade. <laughs> no, no. And we're not, we're not there to cause any trouble. And, and, and there's safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. We, we've really been, we've really been uh, lucky to have some, you know, some good experiences down there. So uh, we usually have you know, 10 to 12 guys rolling you know, and, we, and we go major off-road sections. Uh, so it's it's not a it, none of the good adventure trips are hand holding trips. Um, it's 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 a real adventure, um, and it's priced it's priced you know at least half of what you would what you would find in some of the larger uh, tour companies out there, um, and it's probably twice as adventurous or more. Um, but our but our trips down to Copper Canyon are you know in, in November it's going to be more off road focused, but February is going to be going to be uh, more of a two up friendly more tarmac friendly uh, route that still takes us in some of the similar places but it's going to take us on some you know tarmac twisties that do end up to be you know sometimes <laughs> pretty challenging as well mm-hmm. so where does the copper canyon trip start we usually start in benson so we have a secure location <laughs> where we stage in benson arizona and then we we, we cross over at douglas usually okay and then we go down to like Saharipa for the first night, stay in a hotel there, and this is a really safe, nice town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go to Creel, which is kind of the, the tip of the of the canyon, the top of the canyon, and uh, stay there in a really nice place. And then the next day, uh, we head down to Batapilas, and that's just marvelous switchbacks. You know, uh, if you take the tarmac route, it's it's crazy. If you take the dirt route, it's even crazier. Sounds like a trend. <laughs> so speaking speaking of crazy, so you've led a bunch of these trips. Do you have any particularly crazy trip stories to share? Well, I've shared this one before, so so, so folks that know me. But the one that kind of stands out in my mind is, you know, last year on the Copper Canyon, we had we had quite a few guys rolling and uh, with us, and and so we we were, we went down uh, this one route, which is um, near this town called Yokivo. And that's really kind of deeper into the canyon. And, and so getting to this place 
um, we took the old road to Yokivo, which is just tons of switchbacks, a lot of loose scree. And then once you're down the hill, there is no going back up. You're fully committed because you, you, there's no way we can get all the bikes back up there if somebody had a problem. We're fully committed. And so we, <laughs> we, we cross this river, you know, and, and to the left, there's a road that goes to the left. And there's the, the remnants of a road that goes to the right. So everybody's taking a break. And so everybody suits up and fires away and then gets ready to turn left. And we're like, no, no, it's to the right. And they're like, no way, no way. And so we all took a, took a turn going over there. And so if you look on YouTube – and you Google the Copper Canyon, the Good Adventure Company, you'll be able to see uh, this this guy named Pat, who's from Palm Springs, who he's about 6'4", and he fully commits on this GS adventure up this you know baby-headed, huge rocks, really steep section, where I'm standing up there in the middle of it, you know, helping people get through this section. This dude just powers it out, and it's like, he's like, in a rodeo i mean the, the 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 bike is bucking like a bronco and he's you know this this big dude is going up and down up and down and he, and i was like either he's gonna die or he's gonna make it and and he he totally made it it was the most amazing thing i've ever seen in my life um and, and it's not and i make it sound really crazy it's not i don't take you on a crazy trip where you're gonna lose your life but i do i do take you on a trip where you're going to you're going to stretch yourself, but when I, but when this was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. When yeah. somebody can really be fully committed to what they're doing, they have that fear, but they conquer the fear. It's just amazing to watch. Uh, you know, or, or our most recent trip in Colorado, we had some riders that were pretty anxious about doing some of the passes, and and to watch them get over their fear and look where they're going and hit the gas and be successful and meet them at the top and and watch the look on their face. I mean, that's. That's why I do these trips. Not to not to kill anybody, but to <laughs> <laughs> that's just a nice bonus, fringe benefit. <laughs> but to but to really give them this experience that they're gonna they're gonna draw from and build from. But okay, yeah, that now, was the most now experience. The guy who was going up the hill was he fully committed to going up the hill that like that, or did he just grab a handful of gas and hold on and then, then he couldn't let go? Uh, you know, I think I think a little bit of both. <laughs> But I, I think I wish I had a video camera. You could see him. You can see it on the video. Uh, but but if you're right there, you know it never it never looks the same. Uh, you know on the videos real life. But when you're right there and you saw it happen, it was it was incredible, absolutely incredible. I mean the, that bike was flying through the air. I mean we're talking like two feet high. You know the front and the back going back through these baby heads, this rock garden. It was pretty cool. <laughs> was it one of your rental bikes? It was not. <laughs> That's why it's really cool. He did. I'm write about this. <laughs> he signed the waiver. I feel okay. <laughs> he did spend quite a bit of money getting a bike back to new. I think when he got back home, but uh, there's quite a bit of a uh, some marks from the Copper Canyon still on his bike. <laughs> he he signed the waiver. We're in Mexico. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. We, <laughs> you know, if something happens, we just get drive the, on. Get the sag bike. <laughs> That's right. That's Bike right. Of shame. <laughs> you just say we don't know what happened to him. Eh, Mexico. <laughs> People do things. Something he was going to look for tequila and never came back. I don't know. But that really is that. That's that's kind of one of the sobering things for me, though. That uh, mm-hmm. is really tough about going to Mexico because mm-hmm. you know there is there is that sense where all these all these folks are are in your in your in your hands, and so there is that you know that serious responsibility to to keep people safe and to not take them any any place that's really over their head. And we don't do that, but we do take somebody to a place where they're going to stretch stretch their abilities and and have a great time. 
at the end of the trips, we usually have a have a dinner, and you know, going around after that Copper Canyon trip, everybody said that this was the best trip of their life, the best trip that they had ever done, and, and they would have paid they, if they were to do it again, they would pay you know twice as much for it or more, um, just a great deal. But we give everybody a good time. That's when JJ's like, well, you guys haven't paid the other half of the trip to get home. <laughs> I'm just going to pass the helmet around. <laughs> Who you wants to really, see America If you guys really again? want to make it out of Mexico, this is, uh, this, is, this is the mordida, right? Now that we're here in the depths of Mexico, <laughs> with no hope of rescue. <laughs> I have to tell you about the other costs. <laughs> so how, how do you guys figure out what what kind of gear you're going to sell? What, what what's your criteria? It, the criteria is the gear that I would actually use if I were going to go out in the backcountry, mm. and that and that's all we sell on the Good Adventure Company. So we feature Giant Loop, and we we feature Wolfman, uh, Double Take Mirrors. Uh, we like Hide Now tires a lot. Uh, great fifty fifty tire. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what we sell. So you're saying do. there's a, a marked lack of brushed aluminum in in your catalog offering? Yeah, we don't sell any of that. Um, we are thinking about doing our our, our own wine um, mm-hmm. and caviar. Mm-hmm. And caviar. Um, Excellent. Yes, that would be nice. Uh, but that's that's next year. Your good so. adventure wine. Does your does your yeah. catalog sometimes function as a side stand puck or occasionally a doorstop? Well, it's it's not that big, actually. <laughs> uh, the credibility is slipping right now. <laughs> I know, I know. The other guys have a really big catalog. Yeah, but yeah, he's going to do a, a wine, couple sheets. So you know that, that's cool. Do you have a cappuccino cart that follow that you can bring on the trip? A cappuccino <laughs> bar? <laughs> Only well, the one should... installed in his GS. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. You should have been on our Colorado trip, man. We we had a chef uh, come with us, so we. Uh, um, we had great food and uh, we had great drink. Um, so, uh, and at the best campsites you'd ever seen. So, we really actually did. Have, we had the Italians with us, and so we did have a, a great coffee. And um, <laughs> we did have. <laughs> had to we up did your have game when they came, machine. huh? <laughs> yeah. The Italian came, so you're like, we gotta get someone who knows so how to coffee. cook. Oh God, we really need some good coffee, or this is gonna go really bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Put the Folgers away. <laughs> <laughs> Just slide it back into the giant loop saddlebag. But the flavor crystals. <laughs> you fool. We we did pour some of that Folgers into the Starbucks bags and then you know that's how we, that's how we made our made our profit there, you know. But uh I, I didn't say that. No, I'm just, we would, we if I had bad coffee you know, they would just everybody would just mutiny. They would just be like uh, they would leave. So we have good coffee. We're stopping in this town. No. Let me let me rephrase that. We're stopping in this town. <laughs> so is the chef thing, was that like a new thing for you guys? Is it something you're going to continue in the future? Or did it just kind of work out that someone was a chef? No, we, we planned it out. Okay. And, uh, and so we really wanted to do it upright. Um, it was great to have, you know, when you're camping. You know, we, at the end of the day, you know, we did these incredible passes. So everybody is just completely tired. And you roll up after a great ride up the mountain you know, to the campsite, you know, the truck's there, the, the easy ups there, the grills are all out, the kitchen's there and food is cooking and the beer is cold. I mean, what, I mean, that's great. I mean, so that was yeah. great to come, to come home to basically. That's pretty good. So future trips will have, have a chef for our Colorado and Utah backcountry adventures. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have a chef. 
Oh, nice. There'd be a chef in Mexico, too, but it'll basically just be the, the old lady on the side of the road selling tortillas. <laughs> Tamales and olives. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised. We have some great restaurants for the Copper Canyon trip. Oh, I really, be that really, surprised. really great, really great right. restaurants. So I, uh, I grew up in San Diego. I spent a lot of time driving through Mexico. There's uh-huh. just so much good stuff to eat. <laughs> One of the hotels that we stay at uh, in the Copper Canyon is um, we call it the Cartel Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, I, I, this is my first time going going down to this particular hotel with this proprietor. So I, I, I pull in my, you know, I pull in myself. Everybody's waiting on the outside of the street. So I pull into this this really nice hotel in this town, and I walk up the stairs and I go to go into the restaurant. And there's a guy sitting at the table all alone. It's kind of like the, you know, the Mexican mafia kind of thing. But it's it's definitely it's, I, there's no there's no expression on his face, no affect at all. And I introduce myself in Spanish, and I, I know so and so, and we have reservations here. He doesn't even doesn't even do anything. He just nods, stands up. You know, shows me the keys, just totally, totally stone cold. And uh, and one of my riders, you know, he was also kind of helping us with dinner and and delivering our dinner. And and, uh, one of our riders is, hey, amigo, amigo, where's my food? And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Stop. Stop Stop what you're doing. He's not with us. (laughs) We We don't don't know him. him. (laughs) He said that other group that came in right behind us. Somewhat random lone rider. <laughs> right. No, but uh, that was that was funny. That was a funny experience. But we we do stay in safe places. But you know, it, it doesn't sound like it. And that guy <laughs> but, was but never seen again. <laughs> in the morning, you're looking at his bike, and where where is it's just ransacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's there's no you. Know, we don't have any problems with our gear, but yeah, it's but there you do have that. But seriously, you do have that side where. It's an adventure, and and you have to be flexible, and mm-hmm. things are not the same as the as the U.S., especially in that part of Mexico, and you what, you have you, to roll with it. What do you mean they're not the same? I want I want a, a cheeseburger, and I'm going to speak loud and slowly, slow <laughs> so you can understand and end your words with O, because all yeah. Mexican words are automatically that is true. It's, yes. yeah, it's, it's yes. automatically Spanish. Yes, O. If you end it with O, yeah. <laughs> Excellent point, O. There you go. See, you're speaking Spanish. I'm, 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 I'm rolling. Yeah. I'm rolling right you're, in. You're ready to go. I'm, I'm, they're gonna buy it. <laughs> you're gonna, practically a local. You're gonna be a body on the side of the road. <laughs> I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh as I go through your pockets. Speaking of, uh, what's the worst thing that's ever happened on one of your trips? Oh, See, I need to know this kind of thing so I can set the bar for my own expectations. Sure. sure. (laughs) Well, we we had to have a guy uh, with a broken chain uh, when we were in the middle of the Copper Canyon. And so one of my my clients broke his chain on his his bike. Uh, And so... Uh, we we did have a couple master links that we were able to kind of piece together, but we needed a chain, and we were in the middle of Mexico, and uh, no cell phone service. Uh, what do we do? Um, so I have a Delorme in reach, and so I was able to text my contact in Mexico, and you know, the next day, the next morning, you know, a thirty minute ride up the road, we had a new chain, perfect size, delivered via bus to us. Uh, <laughs> Be a drug bust. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is uh, um, that my contact there has a friend who f- flies choppers for the local mines, the mining activity down there. Mm. So he had our GPS coordinates exactly where we were, 
so he wasn't going to drop the chain from the out helicopter. of the helicopter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just you know, don't get under it. Basically. <laughs> hey, look at that! What's that? What's that? <laughs> Tell the chopper to come back. <laughs> maybe put a rope out. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a story that your your people on your tour would have told for decades. I know, I know. The story would have gotten so many people, so many free beers. But yeah. just a, a chopper dropped. Chopper chain. dropping a chain. He could he could have been like, oh yeah, that's that's the uh, BMW service chopper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my water my water beamer actually. You just turn this thing here. <laughs> Just yeah. push push this button. It's the men, it's one of the men, functions on the menu button. Yeah, drop chain. Okay. BMW chopper. We won't go into the weirdness of a, of a GS twelve hundred having a chain drop function, but you know you you never know. <laughs> well, you need to have that function for the KTM's that ride with you sometimes. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have a preference of BMW over a KTM? Even you know, I mean, you have a stable flow of BMWs, but oh. I don't want to get into this one. Um, yes, you, you know. do. <laughs> sure, you do. Oh, uh, you know, I love, I love the twelve hundred. I think it's a great bike. I think, I think when it's running great, uh, it's, it's, it's the most the bike I've ever had the most fun on. Uh, the new one with with the suspension adjustments, um, the engine. Um, I, I love that bike. Uh, it's, it's just great on the street. It's great on the dirt. I, I'll take it. You know, on Black Bear Pass, you know, it's it's it's. I feel comfortable in all areas with that bike, um, but I am partial to that 1190R. I do. I love the power of that bike, um, and uh, you know, I was I was going to get an 1190R for for a rental, but I knew if I got an 1190R for a rental, that people would be running that thing and flogging the you know what out of it. So I am going to get my next bike is going to be an 1190R. To be honest, I just I just mm-hmm. think that is you know a fire breathing monster. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do like the, I do like um, the Beamers though. I like the 800 a lot, uh, and I love the 1200. My favorite, if I'm going to buy, you know, a Boxer, I'm going to buy um, probably, uh, you know, a 2010 to 2012 regular GS and just outfit the, the snot out of it as a rental bike because I just think, you know, that that vintage of, of, of 1200. I really, when I had it, that was that was my favorite bike, the most reliable one, you know. You know, the final drive lasted 40,000 miles of really, really hard, you know, rocky passes and mostly off-road. And, um, you know, when the final drive goes at 40K after that kind of abuse, I mean, that's nor- that's 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 beyond nor- – uh, that's that's great in my opinion. You know, it, it lasted that long in terms of the abuse that, that, that was that was put into it. It sucks when it goes out, but nevertheless, uh, I, really, uh, I really do like that bike. 40,000 miles, huh? <laughs> Oh, uh, Shaq, your final drive will get some. Mine la- my f- first one lasted 6,000. Okay. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, because uh, you seem like a perfect person to, uh, to address this. Lately, what I've been seeing a lot online, especially among the, uh, the adventure riders, is this sort of backlash against the idea of, of the GS land yacht. A lot of people I, I see online now, they really kind of talk down to the idea of the 1200 GS, the 1200 Adventure. That, that's what someone goes and you know puts on their credit card when they want to be Mr. Adventure, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all they do is go to Starbucks kind of thing. 
Mm. You know, if you really want to do adventure, you need to be on a KLR or a, something smaller than a KLR. Which is funny because five years ago it was the opposite. Right. Five years ago it was, you know, everyone's like, yeah, you need this GS because that's what Charlie and Ewan had. Yeah. And now yeah. it's, it's kind of gone the other way. Everyone's like, no, only the, the noobs and the, the, you know, people too rich for their own smarts buy these GSs. Even though they still continue to be hugely popular. That's the question. That's the question. Address that. <laughs> I, I, I love the GS. Um, you know, if I had to choose between the GS Adventure and the, G, and the, the GS that the water cooled, uh, you know, I love the long range of the, of the, and I like the big tank. Um, it's really well balanced on the Adventure. But if I was going to go and plop the money down, uh, again, uh, or if I'm going to do it again uh, on another 1200, I'm just going to get the regular GS uh, with spoked wheels and and uh, you know get a good black dog skip plate on that, and uh, you know your you know cylinder head guards for sure. Um, Why the 1200? It's so balanced um, and it's so refined. Um, it it just really is just a remarkable motorcycle. I mean the cruise control. Um, you know, setting the suspension on the fly, uh, you know, the different modes. When you go downhill, um, especially on these big passes, um, if you put it in the Enduro Pro mode, you, you can be headed down, you know, nose down in, in a really a big scree field. Um, on another bike, you're going to be, you know, skidding all over the place. Um, you, your, your back wheel is not, is not ABS at that point, but your front wheel is. So basically, you can go downhill on a real rocky pass. And just feather your front brake, and you're not going anywhere. It's just like this security thing. It's it's a it's like it's a it's a stupid inhibitor actually. So it keeps you. I, I love that 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 mode of the bike, um, especially with the riding that I do in, in Colorado. I mean, I love to take the big bikes off road. Um, I get a little bit cocky, um, you know, especially when I say, "Oh, we'll take them on Black Bear Pass," but um, but I do take it take it up there, and I and I get really cocky the first two parts of black bear. But once I get to those steps, I cry like a, I cry for my mommy. Uh, Cause it's just, it's just one of those things where it's, it's so steep and that bike is so heavy um, that, you know, you're, you're like, why did I do this again? Um, but then once you make it <laughs> down the steps and, and you roll into Telluride, nobody else knows you roll into, roll into Telluride, you know, from black bear pass, but there's a sense of, uh, of that accomplishment that <laughs> you came down those switchbacks and, and down those steps on such a big bike. But, you know, I, I think the Africa Twin is is a is a is a great bike. I think the um, you know the single cylinder. Um, you know, I think a DR650 is a is a great is a great bike. Um, not a real big fan of the KLR. You know, but it, I guess it's just it's just you know it's really not the bike; it's the rider. And I just like the challenge myself of taking a big bike in places where you're not supposed to take a big bike. You can't do that with that bike. He just did it. Shit. Uh. How about Buell Ulysses? Can I do it on a Buell Ulysses? Uh, that would be great. I'm going to take a video camera. To, if you did Black Bear Pass on a Buell, that would be great. A worst case scenario let's, let's explodes, do that. right? Let's do that. That would be, that would be pretty cool. Worst that case scenario awesome. is it explodes? Yeah. I think, I, I think we could do better for a worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. And you know what will happen as soon as, that, as soon as you explode? Is up behind it will come the shitbag Strom. do 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 <laughs> 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 That's terrible, Chuck. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. The the you can't do that on a big bike is it sounds like a dare to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, Granted, it's funny. That's probably why I can't match the center stand anymore. But you know, details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You definitely do take a hit on those big bikes sometimes when you when you think it's a dirt bike and you and then all of a sudden it's <laughs> not. You realize it's not. <laughs> I felt expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to check out JJ's site at Good Adventure Company. That's good-adv.com. Yay, Todd, you remember the sponsor's URL. <laughs> good for you. I'm a big boy. <laughs> JJ, thanks so much for being on with us tonight, man. Any uh, last things you want to plug? Um, I want to plug our, our Copper Canyon trip, November 5 through 12. We do have an early bird price available of, of Seventeen fifty, which is a great deal. That includes lodging and guiding and the tracks down in the Copper Canyon. It does go up after September first. So uh, if people want to look at that trip, you know, good-adv.com and go to our guided trip section. And folks that do sign up for trips get twenty percent off any of the uh, luggage that we have um, as an incentive. Um, you know, we do a ten percent yearly dividend, just like just like some of the other big box. Uh, adventure stores. We do free shipping on most items. So if folks are interested in, in Giant Loop, Wolfman, Double Take Mirrors, Hide Now Tires, please look at our site because we usually do have the best prices on the net. Cool, man. Well, thanks for being on with us. Yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. Cool. That was cool. Yes. Sponsorship does not guarantee you a guest spot unless you have fun. I, I, I want to pull tell. the curtain back on the show for just a quick second. Mm-hmm. So we do our interview... Um, before we do the show. Yep. Usually just right before the show, and then Mm -hmm. we do the whole interview, and then we come back and record the show you're listening to. When we get to the part where we're going to do the guest thing, Todd invariably starts waving his arms around to signify time passing to be where the interview would go in during editing. Well, it's part of our our nonverbal signals, like the one you're making at me right now. (laughs) And now you're doing it with both hands. Just every time he just waves his arms like and yet it enhances your experience doesn't it if i didn't do it you would be somewhat disappointed wouldn't you i i would but it's i just it's something i wish the listeners could and now that i've told them about it you know it's if only they could appreciate that now they can the masterful yeah all right now let's talk about mail on to mail so uh, Daniel apparently has Chuck syndrome. Daryl, oh, excuse me. Daryl apparently has Chuck syndrome, also known as D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say it one more time. No. <laughs> hey guys, just got past episode one hundred. I think it was episode ninety nine. You asked for examples of being ignored at the dealership. It seems Chuck and I have the same issue. Sorry, but this is going to be long. He wasn't kidding. No. So about ten years ago, he goes in to buy gloves, and he goes to North Salt Lake to the BMW Triumph dealership, which was notable in that it was awful. Oh yeah, those the guys. worst. Yeah, of I the remember worst. them. Just yeah. I mean, the bottom of the barrel experience. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's on a Triumph and all this, and goes inside to find some gloves, and they freaking ignore him for forty-five minutes. <laughs> you know, and it's thirty pair of gloves with a BMW logo on it. Mm-hmm. He looks at motorcycles and helmets and everything else, and they don't even say hi. So he's like, screw him. He goes to the Ducati dealership on Main Street, which is no longer around, but was kind of a cool dealership. Uh Well, he walks in, and he gets mobbed. A girl asks him if he needs help, and he declines. He gets asked again by the guy behind the counter. He says, no thanks. Finds the gloves, buys them, and starts fondling the motorcycles. And salesmen are jumping all over him the whole time. Interesting. 
All right, so he gets all this help at the Ducati dealership. He's like, great, come back here again. He leaves, comes back, gets boots, and again, they mob him when he comes in. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward nine years later. Now he has a Ducati, (laughs) um, and it needs an air filter. So Ducati on Main got purchased by Harrison Eurosports, our friends of BMW Triumph. BMW Triumph now down here instead Mm -hmm. of up north. Yeah. Amazingly, they have the air filter, so he gets on the Ducati and rides down. The guy at the parts counter doesn't have the filter at the counter, despite him calling and saying he's coming and please pull it for him. Yeah, well, he's yeah. waiting. He, okay, he's waiting. He looks at gloves and they're ratty. So he finds Revit gloves with a logo in the Ducati. There, there's a pattern with D and gloves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. He always, he, he's always, always breaking them. Yeah. And he gets there and finds out they're Ducati gloves for 129 bucks. Um, <laughs> he says, "I, jeez, I don't have that kind of money for gloves." And starts to take it back, and the guy behind the counter scoffs and says, "Well, I spend over 350 on my gloves." D's quote, and I quote. Do I give a fuck if he spent that kind of money on gloves? No, sir, you do not. <laughs> he finally sorts the air filter and I pay for it. In retrospect, I should have just left. So then he goes and makes a mistake of going and looking at the bikes. Rows of scramblers. Finds mm-hmm. a sales guy because no one's paying attention to ask about the scramblers. He walks away without any other discussion and says, they're all sold. <laughs> Seriously, what the hell? <laughs> yep. At this point, I've been in there for more than half an hour. And I had been mocked by the parts guy, ignored by everyone else, and fed up with the whole BMW Triumph experience. Yep. Goes home, leaves them a little love note on Google with accurate, but not very complimentary stuff. Eat dicks! (laughs) Approximately. And gets a private message that says, we'll give you a pair of gloves if you come back. To which he responds, eat dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I had a friend at work who was having problems with... uh, getting her Vespa repaired because when they were mm-hmm. they were still had the yeah. Vespa stuff. Yeah. And I private messaged the people there because mm-hmm. I kind of knew some of the people. And sure, I was yeah. like, hey, could you look at this maybe and you know, not right bring here. this to your attention kind of thing. And, you know, they private message you back and then they call her up and they, mm-hmm. you know, they try to sort her out. Her Vespa still has problems, but, you know, they kind of tried to sort her out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they, they respond quickly. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel, it feels to me, you know, because we, we interviewed um, Mike Mike from there, uh-huh. and at the time, you walked into that place, and they were like, hi, des- <laughs> descending from the ceiling to be like, well, hi, we want to sell you some stuff. If if you're you. Well, sure, if you're me. <laughs> but I mean, even even me now, who for some reason just is like, has a target painted on me at all dealerships. Yeah. Um, I get kind of like the whatever vibe there. I, I definitely, especially from the Triumph part. It's like a meh. Vibe. There's always just like mm. one dude in there hanging out, and he yeah. always looks bored as fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think things have things have gone downhill. He also knows the Honda dealership on State Street, <laughs> the place I won't give a dime to anymore, is not much better, which is being very generous. But their parts counter guy seems pretty attentive. Okay, in fairness, their parts counter guy is someone on the ball. I haven't been to, to that one in a long oh, time. Oh god, no, never again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In short, I do have the same problem as Chuck at most places, mm-hmm. with the old Ducati shop on Main being the exception. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always go to Wrights because you know, locally owned. You know, they don't necessarily have all the parts for the bikes, but they can friggin' get them. Yeah. You know, because they order them from the same suppliers, and they're actually like nice and will help you and want you to be happy and come back, spend more money. Yeah. Well, for, yeah, for the most part, I go in there and they 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 gave me that look like. Can you keep a guy on, keep an eye on that guy? <laughs> he's he, he's spending a lot of time by the gloves. 
Oh. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure he speaks English. <laughs> yeah, as usual, I go in and they're like, Do you smell that? Smells like a sucker. Let's get him. <laughs> get him! <laughs> well, and then, of course, I always go in with a completely insane shit, too. It's never anything easy with me. I always go in with I need this pliers. obscure battery. I need I need something weird. I gotta go in now. I got. I'm, I'm not kind of kind of not looking forward to it because I'm afraid of what they're gonna answer and go be like, "Hey, if I come with like a motorcycle rim and a car tire, would you mount that for me with your machines?" I'm sure they would. I don't know. I bet they would. I could see. I could see them being a little hesitant to do that because they'd be like, "That's not really safe or smart." I'd be like, "Look, it's for a sidecar rig, okay?" <laughs> Look, I got money. I promise you, it won't lean. It's eighteen bucks. Let's just do it. <laughs> I promise you, it won't lean unless I really want it to. I went in there with a tire half mounted to the rim. I'm like, "Can you just finish this?" <laughs> Mayday! I'm sick of destroying my knuckles on this. <laughs> I need a grown up. All right. Uh, Alex rode the Royal Enfield Himalaya. Mm. What a fun bike. If they had been selling it at that moment, I would have entered the negotiations. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Fit and finish was very solid. Really? You're talking about a Royal Enfield? Mm. Controls and buttons had a firm feeling, no slop. The instrument cluster was great and very easy to understand. In just a glance, overall, I dig the styling of the bike. The engine, while only being a 410, had enough power to push me through any city situation and got up to 6570 on the highway. Bearing in mind, I weigh 275 and stand 6'3". This bike would be great for new riders or urban adventure. It took every bump the Midwest roads could throw at it, while also cornering better than I expected. Tippin was predictable and smooth. The little thumper pushed you right out of the bends. Steering was tight and firm, very pleasant in the city traffic. Sounding a little erotic at this point. Right? I'm getting a little... Mm. It's, it was, I thought it was just me. No, no, no. <laughs> this, is a, this is a little... I think Alex liked this bike a little too mm-hmm. much. Yeah. The front and rear disc brakes stopped very well. Ergonomics put me right where I wanted to be, and I could see it fitting people of many sizes comfortably. The seat was a bit soft for my liking. At an estimated 4500 5000 it could be a great addition to the market. Thank you for that unintentionally <laughs> dirty. <laughs> but it, it sounds, you know, I mean, that it's a it's a part of the market that is not well served now. You know, you've got basically overgrown dirt bikes with turn signals. Yep. But nothing that is actually something you want to ride, because I don't know if you've ridden a dirt bike recently, but... No, I haven't. They completely suck. <laughs> <laughs> My coworkers keep trying to talk me into buying a dirt bike. Yeah. They're like, you're riding these motorcycles. You should get a dirt bike. Come out there. But now if they had talked to me like Alex talks, it's going to corner better than you expect. Tiffin would be predictable and smooth. Little thumb and push it right out of the steering tight and firm. Very pleasant. Then I'd be like, oh, okay. I'm going to buy that. Yeah. I'm going to buy that. Sounds nice. Yeah. Sounds, like, sounds relevant to my interest. So Himalayas. I don't know. If we had a Royal Enfield dealer, I'd be tempted to go ride one. But didn't we? We the Harrison briefly, you know. Our, was it, was our, it those dudes? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because there was somebody. Somebody had asked. They were like, "Hey, hey!" Somebody had asked me, and then got around to me um, about being a Ural owner. They're like, should, "Should do you think they should carry Royal Enfield or Ural?" I'm like, "Ural? Why are you even asking? <laughs> How is this even a conversation? <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Go away!" Get out of my sidecar right now. Get out. But we're going 60 months. Shut, Shut up. up. Get out. <laughs> and I want to go 70, so get out. <laughs> On the bandit, we call that second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, listener Dave's dad apparently used to own the Buell Thunderbolt sidecar rig that we see going around. So from this, we learn that parents who Buell have kids who Buell. I'm okay with this. Yeah, yeah. So I got my first Buell in 99 when I custom ordered my S3 Thunderbolt, the nuked demon. I feel like Brian Adams should be playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. My dad quickly took notice and got bit by the Buell bug. <laughs> the last time he rode a motorcycle was circa 1980 when he had a fall in a 77 Harley-Davidson cafe race, which apparently was a thing at the time. Okay. He had, so his dad had a cafe race before it was cool, just so we're clear. <laughs> in 2001, he found a used blast and was smitten with all things Buell. What, he, a blast? Yeah. Okay. He rehoned his skills with his brother. The blast was quickly followed by the S2 Thunderbolt that's been displayed in, that had been on display at an independent shop for a few more years. More art than for sale, it would seem. Time marches on, and Dad found a few too many tip-overs on the Buell, uh, the 03 XB9S with the Buell Pro Series race kit. Ooh. Maybe it was a short inseam or the rural South Carolina roads sprinkled with sand. He heard about a sidecar guy out of North Carolina called Johnny Sweet and got the harebrained idea to put a sidecar in his Thunderbolt, thinking tip-over equals solved. <laughs> Plus, he can bring his beagle. <laughs> the deal was done. He brought his rig home, confirming the best way to ruin a perfectly good motorcycle is to put a sidecar on it. <laughs> Still getting the feel of my brother, who owned a hack for years, many years ago, and Dad went out early one Saturday morning on the new rig. Dad was in the sidecar and my brother in command. This couldn't possibly be the setup <laughs> for anything bad. It was never really clear to me what occurred, but a single vehicle accident negotiating a corner and everyone went off the road into the trees in rural South Carolina. Oh, man. In gear, both got banged up, but my dad was, took the worst of it with some broken ribs. A I couple bet. days in the hospital, a month or two of recovery, and he's back to normal. Fast forward to this week. A guy on one of the Buell Facebook pages spots a Buell with a sidecar in an automotive shopyard in South Carolina. The shop owner apparently picks up insurance salvaged motorcycles. I checked it out and confirmed it's the same rig because there were totally two of these. <laughs> it looks like it's been sitting uncovered for a good couple of years, so that's a real letdown. And several of our listeners sent us pictures as this went around. Uh-huh. Anyhow, great show. Still listening to older shows. Your podcast is polished up nicely, and I look forward to each new release, proving once again that you can polish a turd. <laughs> See you guys at the 2017 EBR Motorcycle Homecoming. Hanging around with Eric in person is life-changing. I think I might be up to eight Buells now. I told you about looking into buying an EBR SX, yes, right? Did. We yeah. talked about yes. that, right? Yes. And the, the, the $1,800 insurance. She didn't tell me you had tattoos. <laughs> I thought I'd get a discount. Do you have ink, sir? Yes. <sighs> it was a woman, so, you know, I thought... If I, like, flexed like this, if mm-hmm. I held my arm like that mm-hmm. and looked at her like this and did my smolder. On the phone. Yeah. Does that not work? No. Oh. No. No, phones are sound. But you know, it goes through the, you could, you, you could feel, feel the it. flex through It's the... like feeling the heat mm-hmm. from the smolder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You got that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You already unbuttoned one of your shirt buttons. I don't know. That. <laughs> it just happened by itself. It's crazy. <laughs> it's a little frightening on some level. What are you doing this week, Chuck? The smolder. <laughs> I've, I've, I think I've learned to fear the smolder. <laughs> and that's all we got time for this week. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next time. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 801-917-4136. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, 
www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Hell, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.